several important truths. First, and this is really why I want to begin here this morning, is because it's important to have point one under us before we move on today, okay? So first, we establish the grounds of Paul's teaching here in this passage, here in regards to Christian families. Uh, Rather than being a teaching that is culturally conditioned by the practice of his time, practices as we read, as we saw from those ancient sources, that were often misogynistic and were often unfair and often even abusive, rather than, than giving us something like that, Paul is advocating here for something that, that is, uh, is creational, that, that it is scriptural. You remember, we, we saw how he affirmed the dignity and the value of all of humanity. Because it was bestowed with that dignity and value when it was created in the image of the Most High God. He affirmed not only the dignity and the value, but also the worth and the role of men and women that were created equal. Not one better than the other, one of more value than the other. But he affirmed the roles that God has given them in Christ. You remember we read in Galatians chapter 3 that there is no longer Jew or Greek or slave or free, male or free, female. In essence, they are the same. There is no distinction. At the same time, however, as we look at the creational order, none of us can deny we have to affirm, men and women and children alike, that there are distinct roles, distinct positions of authority. It's clear that, that Adam is to be the head of his household. He is to be the responsible party. Now, it's a responsibility that he and most of us have men have tried to shun or run from since the fall. But none of us, men or women alike, can deny that it's there. may not like it, but God declared it good. Not only that, but, but in the divine plan of redemption. We saw that there is a dignity, a value given to the ideas of submission, the ideas of obedience by the Son of God himself, who for our sake submitted himself to the will of his Father, submitted himself into the hands of sinful men. He was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So that we today might be saved. So that today we might say, Abba, Father. That we might be children of the Most High God. And so what he calls us to here is what he really, what he calls wives and children to here and servants is what he really calls us all to in Ephesians chapter 5, right? All Christians are to be submissive as we follow our Savior, as God's people. This is his plan for us as individuals, and this is his plan for us as family. So, my whole point in repeating all of that to you is to say, the grounds of all that we're saying this morning, they're rooted in creation. They're not rooted in what Paul thinks. They're not rooted in what Paul's culture thinks. They are as relevant today as they were 2,000 years ago. They are as relevant in our culture now as they were in any culture. And so we as God's people must wrestle with these things. Secondly, 
the reality of that relevance forced us to consider the, the practice of what Paul is teaching here. And so, uh, specifically, last time we looked at wives in verse 18. They are to be submissive to their husbands, as to the Lord. Now, given all that we've said in point one about dignity and worth, what we concluded was that submission, it can't mean what people so often think that it means in our day and time, that wives are to be a doormat or a slave, or they are to be an object of use and abuse for their husbands. No, they have worth, they have value, equal dignity in the creational order. But as those who are saved by grace, saved by their Savior, in following him, they are to be obedient to God's plan, to God's commands. Wives are to voluntarily, willingly place themselves under the headship of their husbands. Be a helpmate. They are to call him out when he acts ungodly. They are to come alongside him in every way. But in the end, they are to submit themselves to his authority, recognizing that they are doing so uh, truly uh, to the Lord. They are submitting to the Lord. This is all a part of that transformed life that we've considered from the beginning of Colossians chapter 3. Secondly, in verse 19, he he moves to husbands appropriately. uh, And he commands them to, there in verse 19, love your wives and to not be harsh with them. And we said last time that that may seem sort of anticlimactic given how difficult the command is that he gives to wives. But remember, we looked at Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25, and he says, love your wives as Christ loved the church, and love your wives as you love your own body. In other words, Paul is not only calling husbands to hold their wives in the highest regard, but he is calling them to willingly sacrifice all for their good. For their care. Husbands are to guard and to cherish and to protect their wives even as Christ guards and cherishes and protects his bride, the church. Now, man, even as I say those words, I I cringe just a little bit because I recognize, and I'm sure you do as well, that I don't do that very well. That there are more times than not that I fail at, at loving my wife as Christ loved the church. And it's a role that we are going to be accountable to. And so men, we we have to remember that yes, God has given us a position of authority. But he intends for us to exercise it well, according to his plan, as is fitting in the Lord. So he has addressed marriage, the marriage relationship, And now, finally, this morning, and again, I know that's a lot of ground already to cover, but now, this morning, he moves on uh, to the the parent-child relationship. Now, I told Ben that we were going to get through the end of this passage, and that was my goal, but you know how that works. I don't ever stick to what I say I'm going to do. So, um, we're going to look today at at verses 20 and 21, uh, and then we'll see where we get from there, okay? So, Under the heading of practicing Paul's teaching, in verse 20, Paul says, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. All right, now, if you're a child here today, and that really is all of us, but particularly if you are a child here today, 
and you are living under the care or under the roof of your parents, I really want you to listen to me, okay? I want you to listen to what I'm about to say, because this part, really all of it's for you, but this part is particularly for you today. I don't know if you feel like after the children's sermon, sometimes we forget about you, but today we're not going to forget about you, okay? So I want you to listen, listen to what Paul says here to children. And the first thing I want you to understand is that as with wives, you should be encouraged when you hear Paul addressing you here in this passage. Not only is he addressing you, but he's addressing you alongside husbands and fathers and wives and mothers. You remember last time I read that passage about that Roman law that basically said parents could do whatever in the world they wanted to with their kids, even sell them into slavery. They could do anything they wanted. Paul here, rather than affirming that sort of parenting, he here gives you children. He gives you dignity. He gives you a place alongside all of God's people. And that's really what he's affirming here. He's affirming the, cov- the covenant place of children within the, the church family, within the church body. Remember, who is it that this letter is addressed to back in chapter 1 and in verse 2? It's addressed to the saints and to the faithful brothers in Christ. In other words, it's addressed to the church. It's intended to be read in the church. And so for him to include instructions to children, it says much about Paul's ecclesiology, about his church view, how he views the church. And it's something akin to the Old Testament covenant community, right? You remember in the Old Testament, what what was it made up of? The covenant family of believers and of their children, of those who had been circumcised. Even the, the, the two came in were to be circumcised. They were of that umbrella, right? Of the covenant community. Paul's affirming something of that here. He also says a lot about the, the value of children in the church. Guys, in God's economy, children, listen to me here. In God's economy, you are not just an afterthought. You're certainly not a mistake or a choice that is, whether we want to keep you or want to abort you, that, 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 is, that is not God's plan here. Oh, children are a blessing from the Lord. They are a gift from God. A gift He has formed, if we believe Scripture. A gift that He has knitted together in their mother's womb. He loves, as the children's song says, all the little children of the world. And so as we prepare to see the command that God gives to you, little children, remember... That it's not rooted in spite. It's not rooted so that your parents can just wield authority over you so that they can take away your fun and that you, can, you have to um, bow before them as, as little tiny servants. No. God has given you these commands because he loves you. He loves you dearly. And this is how he calls you to act. And so what is the command to children. It is to obey your parents 
in everything. In other words, your parents have the right. Actually, they are obligated, parents, you are obligated to demand obedience from your children. Within the family dynamic, God has given the authority to the parents, and parents and children, you are to obey. Now, let me ask you this. What does obedience, true obedience, require? It requires at least three things, okay? It requires one, first, that you listen, that, that you open your ears and you hear what your parents have to say to you. It's hard to obey when you don't hear or when you choose not to hear. Um, look, I realize, kids, there are times where there are distractions, and I realize there are times when you would rather not hear what we as parents have to say. And believe it or not, we as parents, we get that too. There are times where we don't want to hear what people have to say either. But in order to follow God's command, you first have to hear. So when your parents speak, listen. Second, not only do you listen, but obedience requires doing, doing. Uh, Kids, I'm going to let you in on a secret. Over the past 12 years, here's something that I've learned about y'all. You can look like you're doing a whole lot of things and that you're not listening, but in fact... You really are. You hear a whole lot more than we give you credit for. And sometimes that comes back to bite us, parents. You know exactly what I'm talking about. (laughs) We know that you hear. But the trick is, is obedience requires not just hearing, but it also requires doing. Right? You have to go and do the things that your parents require of you. And notice that he says, how much is it? In everything. Now, Paul's assuming that you have good Christian parents here and that they're going to direct you in the way that you should go. So, parents, keep that in mind. Uh, and, and he's not calling you to disobey God, right? So if your parents lead you, and that's just the one time I'm going to tell you you can disobey them. If they, if they tell you to do something that is directly against the Bible, then you have the right to say no. But other than that, Paul's saying that you have to obey them in all things, Okay. So, obedience requires listening, it requires doing, and then thirdly, it requires uh, something about attitude, right? Uh, This is the hardest one, and we all recognize that it's the hardest one. Um, Really, you're required to obey whether you want to or not, but you know, God calls us, he desires willing hearts. He requires obedience from a heart that that loves your parents. Obedience from a heart that desires to please them. Now look, again, I recognize that that's hard. Uh, There's going to be times where you don't want to do it and you have to do it. But God's intentions for you is obedience from a willing and loving heart. Now, let me say to you. I can feel right now from from kids and parents and all of us alike just an inner eye roll that is happening as we talk about obedience to parents, right? It seems like it's something that that is we talk about all the time and we know and we don't have to spend much time here. Friends, I want to remind all of us, not just the kids in the room, but I want to remind all of us 
how seriously God takes this particular commandment. Kiddos, how many commandments did God give? How many did He write on the two tablets? Ten, right? We, you, I know you normally can't talk, but you can talk right now. Ten, right? And out of those ten, He gave one. The fifth one, what was the fifth one? To honor your father and mother. Now, look, if He's going to give ten, you would think He'd give ten good ones. And the fact that He put that one... The, the, the fifth one, right after how we're to act to God, he inserts, honor your father and mother. He takes it pretty seriously. Then you turn to the Old Testament and you see a passage like Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 9. It says, if someone curses their father or their mother, his life will be required from him. Now, thankfully, God doesn't require that from his people, at least in an earthly sense anymore in Christ. But in Romans chapter 1 and in verse 30, and in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and in verse 2, we find disobedience to parents listed with sins like envy and murder and hating God. Again, my point is that God takes this command to obey our parents very seriously. He intends for us to do that. And so the last thing I want to ask you, kids, is why? Why should you obey your parents? Why is God so insistent on it? Well, if you turn back to Ephesians chapter 6, in the parallel passage to this one in, in Colossians, Paul says that children are to obey their parents for it is right. Is right. That's simple, but it's right in two, in two ways. It's right because it's what God requires of you. And it's right also because it's the best thing for you. Look, I, I know obedience is hard. Your parents know that obedience is hard. But God made you, and He set the rules. <laughs> and He promises to bless you through that obedience. Again, in Ephesians chapter 6 there, he reminds us that the fifth commandment is the only commandment, at least in writing there, that has a promise attached to it. Obey, your, honor your father and mother, and it will go well for you in the land, right? You will live a long life. It's God promises to, to bless particularly this, this commandment, not, not in a works-based righteousness sort of way and not in a temporal necessarily sort of way, but eternally, as we look to that eternal rest that we have in Christ, as we look to the fruit of the faith that we have, Christ promises to bless this. And then finally, as we think about why we are to be obedient, there in our passage before us today, he says it pleases the Lord. Again, that, that seems maybe not like much to you, but, but it is. That's, that's the, the, the most important thing. What he calls us to, it is a reflection of our relationship with him. How you feel about being obedient to your parents. It's going to say a lot about how you feel about obedience to the one who made you. Not only that, but it is an example that Christ has left for us. Okay, I would just remind you in Luke chapter 2, we see Jesus... As a teenager, we see him as a child. 
And, and what is he to his parents? Sinful, but he's perfect. He's the sinless Savior. And what is he to Joseph and Mary? He is obedient to them. So, as I close this, this portion of Paul's teaching here, children, let, let me encourage you with these things. One, follow Christ's example for you. He has left an example for you to follow to follow it. Secondly, when obedience is hard, and it will be, look to Him. Look to Jesus. He understands that obedience is hard. He knows what it's like to submit to your parents. Look to Jesus. And then finally, when you have blown it, and you will, okay? And we all recognize it. We have too, okay? Your parents have too. When you have blown it, when you have been disobedient, run to Jesus, okay? Confess all that you have done to him and know that he promises not only to forgive you, but he promises to give you the strength to obey. And he can restore and repair even the most broken relationships, okay? So, follow his example. Look to him when it's hard to obey. And when you've blown it, run to him. Flee to Jesus, okay? Kids, obey your parents. Fourthly, under that heading of the practice of Paul's teaching, and this is where we'll conclude today. Notice he next, in verse 21, uh, he addresses fathers. Um, look, much of what he's going to say here could really be applied to parents together. But following up, men, on what we saw last week, uh, it's significant that he has given this responsibility, that he addresses specifically fathers in this passage. Now look, I know some of you will have grown up like me, uh, watching uh, sitcoms on Friday nights at our house. It was a family affair. We would all get, gather around the TV on Friday nights, and there was all those great shows that we loved to watch. Uh, but one of the, the, looking back on those shows now, one of the bad things about those shows, do you remember the dads in those shows? They were all a bunch of goofballs. Like, they, they were weak, and they, they needed their, their children and their wives to come in and to bail them out and to show them the way that they should go. Now, look, I don't know if that was a reflection of the culture at the time, or if our culture decided we were going to reflect that truth. But the reality is, somehow, that became the overwhelming perception of fathers in the world. Even now, dads, we're just kind of viewed as a bunch of goofballs who need our parents, or need our wives and our children to bail us out. Now look, that, there may be times where that's true, but it's certainly not biblical it's not what God calls us to here. No, fathers, God called you, He calls you to nurture and to guide and to instruct and to discipline and to love your children. He calls you to prepare them for life. And more than that, He calls you to prepare them for death, for godliness, for eternity. Genesis 18, 
Abraham is going to, to be the father of nations. And the first command is go and lead your household. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, he says, These commandments that I give to you today, you shall talk about them as you go along the way. You shall write them on your foreheads, on your doorposts. When you rise up, when you sit down, everywhere you go, you shall teach these things to your children. Proverbs 22.6, we are to train up a child in the way that he should go. Men, fathers, hear me again. We're kind of rolling up our sleeves on y'all again today. It's you, me. We are spiritually to lead our children, our kids. And let me say something to you. There is nothing, nothing more important that you can do in their lives than to teach them the truth of the gospel. Men and moms, do we realize that when we hold that little newborn child in our arms, that little bundle of joy, do we realize when we send our kids out into the world that we are responsible for a soul that will never die? For a soul that has been born as all men are under the curse of Adam. Born at enmity with God. Born with the desperate need of a Savior. Men, whatever else we teach our children, and hopefully it will be a lot of things. They need to learn how to fish. They need to learn how to be men, husbands, all of those things. They really need to learn how to fish, okay? And baseball. Um... Whatever else we teach them, the greatest need they have is to know Christ. And how will they know if they do not hear? And where does hearing begin? Where does it take root? Not at church. Yes, we as the church do come alongside you, and yes, we do support you, and yes, we do reinforce the things that you're teaching them, but all of this begins at home. God works most often through families. And so dads and moms, we must parent, which means... We must teach. We must instruct in godliness. We must instruct them on how to be productive citizens. We must be active in their lives. Secondly, we must discipline them. Look, that's implied in Ephesians chapter 6 and in verse 1 when he says that it is right that kids obey. It's right then that, that, that uh, parents demand that they discipline their kids. Hebrews 12 says it kind of indirectly when he's talking about God being a good father, disciplining us. He says, what father even on earth doesn't discipline his child? And in Proverbs 13, 4, he spared the rod and we spoil the child, right? But in disciplining, we have to avoid two extremes. In our passage in Colossians, he says that fathers do not provoke their child, that their children. We're not to parent in anger. We're not to parent with a a bad attitude. Uh, We're not to to be overly critical. Um, And and in my heart, I've 
recognize the need to repent as I say all of these things. Not to be overly critical, not to be, place unrealistic expectations on our children. This is not anything goes. This is not that abusive discipline. On the other extreme, children can't rule the roost either. Uh, and maybe this is the place where we as a society, have gone off the rails, maybe more than on the other extreme. In other words, discipline, it cannot be avoided. Uh, We can't buckle to every whim of our children. Uh, Children shouldn't be the, the center of our universe as much as we try to make them that. God is the center of our universe. Jesus is the center of our universe. Everything flows from that. So we discipline and all of it is summed up as we, we love our children. Again, they are a gift from God. Not, we don't let them do whatever they want to do. We don't let them have whatever they want to have. But we love them enough to give them exactly what they need. Now look, I, I know we are out of time and I know we're all getting restless. But let me say this as we conclude. There are few things more important in life than parenting. There are few things more intimidating and more humbling than parenting. The task before us, mom and dads, is huge. The stakes are as high as they get. They are eternal stakes. And I promise you, and you know this, that the world, that Satan will resist us and they will try to steer our children at every opportunity away from the Lord away from the way that they should go. I say it all the time, but if we don't teach our children, the world is more than happy to teach our children. And they are not going to teach them what we have here before us. So, as parents, what do we do? First, we nurture our own relationship with God. We learn to bow before Him in humble submission. We can't parent otherwise. Without Him, we will surely go off the rails. If the the Lord does not build the house, then he who labors, labors in vain. Secondly, we pray, and we pray, and we pray, and then we pray some more. Parenting, as with the Christian life, the first thing is on our knees before God. We pray. Third, we repent. Guys, I... I recognize this in my own life, and I'm not just saying this to you. I see it even as I'm saying these words. It, we're going we're gonna to mess this up. Like We're going to fail as parents. And so we're going to have to spend a lot of time repenting before God, confessing our failures. We're going to have to spend a lot of time repenting before our children as well. Our children need to see us say, we messed this up, and I'm sorry. But I love you and I need you to walk along with me as we try to guide you in the way that you should go. Pray, repentance. We have to be present, men. Be present in our children's lives to teach them and to comfort them and to encourage them and to discipline. you got to be there to do it. Be there. And then last thing, we got to spend a lot of time praising God for His sure faithfulness. I read it in Psalm 103 this morning and I read it with a purpose. His faithfulness extends from generation to generation, from children to children's children. As we parent, 
We can place our little ones in His care. We can give them over to Him and know that, that though their lives may not always be easy, their roads may not always be easy, He is able to keep them and He is able to draw them into His sure presence. Again, as parents, that is our hope. That is our goal. That, that is why he has given us these children. So that they might know him. And that they might love him. And they might learn to bow before him. Children that know and love the Lord. Now I recognize that not, this, this sermon may have in some way been very specific to a very specific group of people. And you may be here and you may think, well... Not a parent, so this is not for me, or, or my, my, I'm, I'm older, and so this whole thing about children is not for me. Let me say to you quickly, what is the metaphor that the Bible so often uses for our relationship to God? He is our Father, and we are His children. And so obedience is what He calls us to do, just as He calls children to obey their earthly parents. He calls us to obey Him. And all of the good things that we have said about fathers and about mothers and about the way that they are to parent us. And we've said that as earthly parents, we fail so often. Well, if you had bad parents, let me say to you, you have a heavenly father who does all of these things. And he does them well and perfectly. And he leads you as a good father is supposed to lead. You can look to him. You can re- this is relevant to you today if you are resting in Christ. And so our prayer uh, is that he would work in our families. He would work through our feeble parenting to call his own and to build his kingdom people uh, for his glory and for his praise as we pray together. Father God, as we continue to address Big subjects, uh, difficult subjects, uh, things that are, are so countercultural to our world today. Uh, Lord, help us to see your word, help us to submit to your word, help us to love your word, um, and help us to follow you because you are God, you are a creator, you have called us to these things, and they're not easy, and we're going to fail. Uh, But, Lord, help us to to pursue you more than we pursue anything else. And, Lord, we pray for our families here today. We pray for children. Lord, we pray that you would work in their hearts in a mighty way and that that work would begin in their homes as their parents raise them up and teach them and discipline them. Lord, we submit all of our families and our parents, we submit them into your hands and we ask that you would do a mighty work in their lives. We pray for fathers. Lord, give us fathers who long to love and to support and to discipline their children the way that you would have them do. We pray for mothers. We pray that you would give them that that compassionate heart, that they too would love to instruct and to discipline their children as a godly parent would. We pray that, that you would give us here at this church and throughout the world godly homes and that through those homes your word would go forth. And that your kingdom would be built. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.